Uh, so how's everybody doing this morning? Listen, I'm, I'm not like the superstitious type, so don't get mad at me if I say it, but I'm just going to go ahead and declare winter over. <laughs> I was saying it earlier this week, and they're like, ah, just, you can't say it. I'm like, why? What's going to happen? Like the weather's going to do what it's going to do anyway. It doesn't make any difference. So you can knock on wood or whatever it is you like to do, but I'm just saying, like, we're on the back half. Me and Brian talked about it as soon as I walked in this morning. I'm like, it's the 19th. So, you know, no matter what, I'm sure it's going to get cold again. But regardless, there's only so much time left for it to be cold. And so I'm just going to say it's over. You guys down with that? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of down. I was wearing shorts yesterday. I know it's a little silly, but I just did it. I was, you just got to kind of press into that. You got to bust out the inappropriate clothes. It's an Ohio, it's a northern Ohio kind of tradition. You get the hoodie up top, shorts on the bottom. You look ridiculous, but that's just the way it goes, man. This is, this is how we get down around these parts. Uh, so... So that's, that's, uh, that's what we're going to do here. We're going to do that. Well, hey, uh, listen, I got a funny story I want to share with you guys. Um, there was, uh, I'm sure you've all experienced this. There was a gentleman at a ticket counter in an airline uh, airport, and, and uh, the guy in front of him, it wasn't him, it was the guy in front of him, he was all upset, right? The flights got canceled. Things were happening that were out of his control. And, of course, you know, we always tend to take it out on the person wearing the name tag closest to us, knowing they can't really do anything about it. I mean, you got this poor employees behind the desk at the gate, and they're just like, listen, my hands are tied, man. I'm, I'm getting the message I'm just conveying to you what's going on, and unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about it. Well, it didn't stop him from yelling and cussing and making a scene throughout the whole airport. And, you know, the young woman behind the desk, she just stood there. She was sweet, and she just kind of smiled and nodded her head and apologized repeatedly. And the the man kind of exhausted his his rant, his his temper tantrum. And there wasn't much left to say because she handled things so well, and she just kind of stood there and smiled and allowed him to wander off. The next customer came up to the desk and said, ma'am, I got to tell you, like, I'm so impressed with your behavior and the way you handled that man. I mean, I don't know. If it was me, I might have had to come around, I might have had to come around the counter and let him know what's what. And she just continued to smile and said, you know, it's just my job and it's no big deal. And he said, how, how do you do that? You know what? You must, be, you must be a Christian. Is that the case? And she just smiled again. And he said, well, you know, you know things, things, things get handled certain types of ways uh, here at the, at the uh, airport. And um, now, you know, that gentleman is now, uh, he's headed to Detroit. And his, he's going to get on his flight and he's taken care of. But, but his bags, his bags are now headed to Bangkok. So <laughs> that, is, that is the way, you know, I tend to handle things. <laughs> Instead of getting mad, she sent his bags to Bangkok. Anyways, there's always a way to handle things a little bit better. I thought that was a pretty funny story, so, you know. Hey, did you know we all have a role to play? We all have a role to play. We have a, we have a job to do. And, and when you know your role, when you know what your job is, it makes things a lot easier, doesn't it? Well, this morning I want to talk to you about that, and, and I want you to win. And that's how we win. We, we know our role. We know our job. And then we go and do it. That's a winning formula this morning. Um, and John, uh, excuse me, it, it, this is it. So, so the intro here, I want you guys to understand, is that we, we, are, we are called to be united. We are called to live in unity. I, I was so impressed uh, just by, just pressed by this word that, that it, it, it spoke to me so vividly um, in, a, in a world that is so divided, in a world that is so contentious, and, and angry and frustrated, I, I thought to myself, like, man, why and how, how do we get here? How did we get here again? 
Because it's not really like anything new is under the sun, right? Like this is, this is a continual thing. It's like we all like to say, man, it's been, never been worse. Well, like you ask the generation that died before us, they might have something to say about that. And the one before that, and the one before that, and the one before that. So I, so I know it's always been here. But man, you know, for, for all of us alive in this moment, there is no doubt that, that there is something missing in the unification, not just in the world. And, and I kind of expect that. You know, people get often frustrated by what's going on around the world. And I'm like... What do, you, what do you think is happening? Like, it's pretty clear. Like when, when Jesus is not there, that's, that's what that looks like. What, what makes me a little bit nervous and when I get, start to get you know, kind of riled up is when I get into, into my, my, my brethren and, and I still feel like there is a lack or a, a distance and unity is not there. That, that's, now that's a problem, right? Like you expect what you expect in the world. And you see it, and you understand it, and and I, I just like I, you need Jesus. But when I know the people that have Jesus, when I'm around my brothers, when I'm around my sisters, and and I can still feel, and I still sense, and maybe even you experience a lack of unity, we got a problem. Unity is the soul of fellowship. It is the essence or the core of how God desires His church to live. And I want to read this to you because it's so important. These words. It was, it was and is the hope of Jesus. In fact, Jesus' last prayer, Jesus' last delivery, his last words were, were in part and, and, and very pointed about the idea that his church live in unity, that his church be one, that his brethren be supportive of one another. John 15, 16, 17, that's where he speaks his last message, and it rings out in his heart. He says that we would love one another above all else as Christ loves us. It was literally on the forefront of his, of his mind uh, in just days and evenings before he would die for us. This is the thought process that Jesus is having, is that, that, that we would live for one another, that we would love one another the way Christ loves us. This was, his, this was his message to us. It was kind of his last prayer. In fact, John 17 says, I am praying. This is what Jesus says. I am praying all who believe in me would be united as one just as you and I are one. This is the message that Jesus leaves with his disciples, with his people on earth before he dies and says, this is my desire. This is my prayer that you would be united as one just as we are one. That's a, that's a powerful thought. Like if you really, you start to kind of conceptualize the idea of, of where someone's mind is at, at the moment of life and death, right? Like there's a lot of things to be concerned about in life. But when you're facing a life and death experience, what comes to your mind is what is in your heart. <laughs> you know, your grocery list is not going to be at the top of your mind when you're faced with a life and death experience. You know, the argument that you had with a friend 10 years ago that keeps creeping up and you're crazy for thinking about it, that is not on the top of your mind. You know, the, the mismatched shoes or whatever you were wearing and made you embarrassed at work a couple months back, like, you're not thinking about that. You don't, you don't care. What comes to your mind in the moment of those life and death, those, those incremental moments, those eternal moments, is what is embedded into your heart. And here's what Jesus said, I need you to love one another the way that I love you. The way that we are one, I need you, you need you to be one with one another. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, I pray that there would be unity this morning. God, that, that the peace 
of the Lord would infiltrate the hearts and minds of us, of the men and women under the sound of my voice this morning, that there would be a softening of our hearts, that the words from my message, from this message, from your word, Lord God, would, would, would massage the hearts of all of us, that there would be a breakdown of what we think and an overtaking of the way you think. In your name I pray, amen. Romans 14, 19 says this, let us concentrate on the things which create harmony and the growth of our fellowship together. There's four ways I want to help you identify this morning how we can become unified. How do we do it? Where do we go? I mean, I'm trying. I think that way, but, you know, I think I think that way. I think I act that way. But there's some specific things we can do that can really help create for us a unifying of our church. Did you know that power is unity? Unity equals power. I mean, when, 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 we're, when we're joined at the hip, when our arms are interlocked, we're a powerful people. That's how things get done. Unification creates power. And so I want to give you guys four ways this morning on how we can become unified as a church. Number one is this. It's to focus on what we share, not what we don't. So to focus on what we share, but not our differences. The reality is we have a lot of differences in our lives. But in order to become unified, we need to focus on the things that we share that matter most to us. That requires us to concentrate. It requires us to focus mentally, emotionally, spiritually, to be thinking uh, purposefully about what it is that unifies us as a body. I love, I love my boys so much. Lou and Ben are funny. You know, they're at the, right, they're at the age right now, seven and nine years old, where like, they're, they're as focused as a, as a puppy sometimes. <laughs> like they're there. They're like a, they're like a, like a six-month-old puppy, right? Like, like they're there, but then they're not there. It's just like a constant squirrel situation. And I, and I love it, and it's cute, but then sometimes it's not cute. And I'm like, listen, right? I got to give them the clap. Eyes on me, ears and eyes. That's what I need. I need both. That's how I know they're listening to me. So that's what I teach them. I'm like, if you're listening, if you're, you're in your class, what do you give your teacher? What do you give somebody who is talking to you? We give them eyes and ears. I'm like, yeah, that's how I know you're listening to me. So this morning, give me your eyes, give me your ears. It requires a concentration. It requires a concerted effort to investigate, to look for the things that unify you, the things that we share together, not the things that we don't share. The reality is we come from a lot of different places. I don't know you. I don't know where your grandma stays. I know some of you, but not all of you. You know, the rea- you're, you're, you look around the room. This is a great depiction of what God intended for a church. There's all kinds of different races in here. Different genders, right? Like di- different people. You came from different places. You got country folk in here. You got some city folk in here. You got some, you know, there's just, just all kind of different people. Well, I don't know your background, but, but I don't need to know your background. <laughs> what, what I need to know, what I need to find out is do we share a love for Jesus? And if we do, then we got it. We got it. We're good. We, we can, we can, we can kind of get to know each other as we go, but, but the foundational truth of the understanding that Jesus died for you so that you could spend eternity with him, is really all I need to know about you. From there, we can grow together, right? We can just become the best of friends. We'll we'll, we'll do all the things together. We'll make memories together. But instead of trying to find out the things that separate us, 
our focus, our concentration has to shift to finding out the things that join us. And for us, church, family, like, listen, I'm not preaching in public right now. We are not in Times Square. I'm not on, I, I, the, the majority of you sitting in here this morning know Jesus. Like, I'm preaching to the choir for a lot of y'all. But, but, but the understanding and how we kind of get away from it slowly but surely because it becomes mundane. We show up to church every single Sunday. We kind of do our Wednesday thing. It's just a part of what we do. Like, the unification of the body is what creates strength, is what creates power. And oftentimes, and you'll find it across the board, I mean, Look, they're, they're, in Lorain, Ohio alone, how many different churches exist this morning? Like different sects of churches. Like you have Catholic and then like a 20 different types of Catholic. You got, you know, Baptists and then a bunch of different types of Baptists. You got like, you know, Pentecostals and a bunch of different types of Pentecostals. It's ridiculous. It's really crazy to me. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and she was so frustrated. She was telling me about her wedding is coming up and her husband or her fiance and her are both Catholic, but I don't, and I don't even know. I don't even know what version. I won't even try to repeat it. But she's a different type of Catholic than he is. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I mean, is it a problem? She's like, yeah, it's a problem. I'm like, well, how is? What's the problem? She's like, well, and then she started to explain. And I, this is how my brain heard it. Like, well, my bishop has to approve the idea of us getting married. And then once he approves it, then his bishop has to approve his approval. And then once we have that, then my priest actually has to allow us to come get counseling. But the other priest, his priest has to approve that as well. And I'm like, all right. And then she keeps going and I'm like, time out. Like, I don't even, that's enough. That's enough right there. And it was funny, but then it wasn't funny. Because she's already a stressed out bride, right? She's like, I just want to get married. Like I, and these are her words. I thought we were all serving the same Jesus. And I'm like, well, let me stop you right there. You are. However, I just want to let you know, like, I happen to work for a church. And if you'd like, I'll, I'll do your wedding. Like, you can come. You can, are you really? Like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. She's like, but you don't even know, like, what I do. I'm like, do you love Jesus? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's enough for me. <laughs> She's like, Really? I'm like, yes, enough. She's like, I can't believe that. I was so angry with them. And you're just telling me you'll just do it? I'm like, yeah, we got this super pretty church. It's out in Wycliffe. It sits up on a hill. It's all white. It's got windows on the side of it. Like, that's where you want to go. It's so pretty. And her eyes just begin to well up. It was crazy, but so upset. I'm like, I, won't use that. I, I can't believe I feel so bad for you. I, you know, I just kind of gave her a little sign. I'm, I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that. She's like, but it breaks my heart because I, I've been going, I want to go to that. It's where I go to church. It's where, it's, it's, it's where I go. But I can't. And, and now, like, I literally was berated by my priest. He's yelling at me and told me I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. It just made me feel bad. I'm like, well, I feel bad for you. But the reality is, is that Jesus just wants you <laughs> And, and all, the, all the rules that are made up and all of the, the, the ideals that are created in man and, 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 and infiltrate the word of God and have taken over the gospel have created a divide. And it's, and it's wild to me, and it's, it's actually not that wild. It's experienced over and over and over again. Like when you really start to talk, when you take your time and you start to talk to somebody, really they just, they just want to know Jesus. They, they don't, that's all everybody, any, everybody, any, uh, anybody ever wanted was just to know Jesus, just to get close to him, just to spend time with him. Because the very nature of his existence spoke love. It delivered love in every direction. It, it changed people around him just by being present. And to deny someone the presence of Jesus based on what they understand or don't understand by some made, you know, man-made concept or construct, 
convoluted manipulation of Scripture to drive out the opportunity for there to be a relationship with the Lord is so dangerous, is so scary. We had a conversation just the other day in our uh, pastoral meeting on Tuesday, and it was wonderful. Uh, a woman from one of our campuses asked, you know, what do you believe? Is it once saved, always saved? And she was demanding an answer. She wanted a yes or a no. And the reason why she wanted, I'll cut to the chase, is because her children, uh, her children aren't living for God at the moment, right? Like they don't have an intimate relationship with him. However, they have had that relationship with him in their past. And they love Jesus, and they know him, and she knows that, but she needed and wanted and desired reassurance that, that even though currently they're not in a place that we would describe as, you know, living right, she still wanted to know, well, will I see my babies in heaven if they were to die today? And, and so we talked about this. We, we kind of had a conversation, and it's like really what it came down to was is that the, the answer she wanted, that she almost was demanding, was, was out of a sense of insecurity, of eternity, which I would have too. <laughs> like, right? Like, if, if, if my children, if my family were in a place where it was questionable of like, you know, like, the, I, I, I want to know. Just reassure me. Reassure me and tell me. But here, here was the timeout moment. It was a moment of discussion that really, re- what it really required was a moment away from, from, from helping her understand that we, we've got to get away from this and we've got to go enter into the presence of Jesus. Because what, what she's looking for, you can't give. What, what, what she wanted from us, we have no business providing. Now, look, there is a lot, there is a lot to be said about what the Bible says very clearly. But what I want to drive home for you this morning is a, is, a, is, a, is a little bit deeper of, a, of a, a perspective that shares the magnitude of Jesus. Let me just say it this way. You and I don't know Jack about much. What I do know is that Jesus is really big. What I do know is that he died for me the same way he died for you. What I do know is that when I turn my heart over to him, the comfort and peace that passes understanding overwhelms me. Even now. And what I wanted to tell that woman, which I didn't, wasn't the one speaking to her, was just that. I don't know what I don't know. But what I do know is that when I'm in the presence of my maker, what I do know is that when I'm touching the hem of his garment, that he speaks to me in such a clear way that reassures me that no matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter how many mistakes I make, that will never leave me. And if he'll do that for me, then I know he's going to do that for your babies. This is what Ephesians says. It says, there is only one body, one spirit. It's Ephesians 4. 
We have been called to one hope. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and only one God, who is the Father of us all, who is over all, is through all, and is in all. I mean, that encapsulates it for you. Just one, and one, and one, and one, and one, and over and over and over again. If you ever notice conflict, man, it's, it's funny. Conflict is often a sign that you are focused on things that don't really matter. You ever, you ever run into somebody who seems like they're never stressed, they're never really fighting? It's not because they don't care. It's just because they recognize what matters most. <laughs> like, like you're always mad about something, like the guy at the ticket counter. Like, I mean, what are you fighting about? Like you're yelling at this poor woman working an hourly job and got nothing to do with whether planes fly or don't fly. You're just mad. Like you're, con- you're conflicting with somebody. You're arguing and fighting with somebody. And, and the reason why is because you're consumed with things that don't matter. You're overwhelmed by them. Like getting cut off in the road, like all those little examples, right? Like your, your food didn't come out right. Like, bro, you just ordered Chick-fil-A from some 16-year-olds. At the, like, what do you want? Like, what do you honestly expect? Did you really go there and think to yourself it's going to look just like the photo in the commercial? Like, it's bewildering to me how, like, people have these incredibly high expectations of things they see, and they're like, it should be just like that. And then around the corner comes, like, this 16-year-old dude with, like, piercings out of every section of his face that doesn't care about anything, and his parents made him get a job. And you're like, why would you not do this the right way? Like, why would you expect that I would do this the right way? It's ridiculous. But that's oftentimes the case when you're in conflict. If you take a quick step back, you realize it's probably because you're consumed with things that don't really matter, right? It's an eternal perspective compared to a temporary perspective. If your mind is on the temporary all the time, you're constantly in conflict. It's because you're pursuing things that mean nothing. People who are focused on the eternal don't argue often because their perspectives are so much higher on life, things that actually matter, right? You've got relationships. You ever heard the saying, I'll trust you with my life, but never with my money or my wife? Like, I'll give you everything, but outside of those two things, bro, like, you want me to get my blood pressure up for what? I mean, I do, don't get me wrong, but I try my best to quickly pull back. I'm like, ah, it doesn't matter. I don't care. We went to a great dinner last night. Happy birthday, Rach. It's my wife's birthday yesterday, and it was great. It was really good, and uh, it, was, it was wonderful, but, like, I have, I have such low expectations for, like, when I go places. Not because I think it's going to be bad. I just, I just, I'm going there. I'm going there with eternal mindset. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's going to be a great night. Like, no matter how the food comes out. Like, I, I have the ability to afford somebody else to cook for me. And I sit down. They pour me water. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm so blessed. I can't wait to have a great time. And so even if and when something goes bad, which it didn't, by the way. Everything was fantastic. But even if and when something were to go bad, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to get all mad about, about, about a, a piece of meat, a dead cow sitting on my plate that, that didn't come out exactly the way I wanted it. So now I'm going to let this poor server who, you know, like who is just running around getting 20,000 steps on a Saturday night. I said last night, I'm like, you know, the one job, and I bless all you food industry, man, this is crazy. Like the one job I do not want is to work in food industry. It is so hard. I did it. I did it. And I was gone. It is so hard. And I'm like, I wanna, so I, I have to prepare myself because I'm like, look, like this doesn't matter. 
What matters is I'm spending time with my loved ones. What matters is I'm out tonight. What matters is I'm healthy. What matters is my children are blessed. My household is covered. What matters is when we're done from here, I'm going to get in a nice car, and I'm going to go home to a warm house and a nice bed. I'm blessed, right? My perspective has to remain and maintain on a level of, 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 of identifying that, that Jesus is giving me everything. And then beyond all that stuff, like, ah, I got, I got Jesus. So even if life isn't so gravy, right, like maybe, maybe you're not driving the nicest car. Maybe you're not going home to the warmest bed. Maybe you need a new mattress. It's been a while. But you still got Jesus. And that's enough. <laughs> we'll work on the bed. We'll work on the bed. Romans 14.1 says, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. They have their own story to deal with. Treat them gently. Treat them gently. You know, uh, trauma often equals behavior. And, and I think it's important that we talk about it just for a quick second because I want people to know, like, you can get angry with somebody real fast um, if you're just looking at the behavior and you're not looking at the reality of like where it came from. Because behavior is almost always a result of trauma. Um, you know, sometimes we get out of character, but even then, like, right? Like you could, you could take this deep dive, we could all lay on the couch and we could have a little session. But, but the point would be like your behavior is often as a result of the trauma that you've gone through in life. And it's a reflection of that. And so what the scripture is telling us right here is treat them gently. They've gone through some stuff. They've been mistreated along the way. They've felt some hurts and some pains. They've seen things. They've been around the block once or twice. And now the behavior that they're exhibiting is a display of the trauma that they've experienced. And so they need you to be gentle with them. They need you to see past that. I love, uh, you know, my mom is a great example. There's many others in here that I think of. But to be able to see past the trauma or the behavior, excuse me, of, of some of our Joshua kids at times over the years. There's, there's real trauma there that's taking place. That's why, you know, they, they say don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> there's trauma that's taking place in children's life who are growing up without parents, who are growing up without beds to lay in, who are growing up sometimes not having food on the table. And it comes out in a display of anger and frustration. I think we would all be a little angry and frustrated if we didn't have something to eat for a little, little while. I mean, that happens multiple times a day for some of us, getting hangry. But the Bible calls us to be gentle, to be patient with one another, to exemplify the characteristics of Jesus in order to preserve the individual. There's a, a, really, cool, a really cool headstone, believe it or not. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, her headstone reads, she, she passed away on June 14th in 2007. This is what it reads. It says, end of construction. June 14th, 2007. Thank you for being patient. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny coming from her. Now, I didn't know, and I haven't read up on her a bunch. I just found that, you know, quote, and I thought it fit really well. But what I do know is that, you know, she was a woman of God and uh, was pretty profound. And, and for her to be able to, in her death, put that on her gravestone as her last statement to the world to let people know, like, hey, man, I appreciate your patience. I've been under construction for a long time, <laughs> and I needed it. And I just want one last time to tell you thank you for being patient with me. 
That's, that's, that's the identification right there of what it means to be unified as a church body, is to be patient with one another, be gentle with one another. There's nobody in here that hasn't dealt with trauma. There's nobody in here who, who, who there are other people in here, excuse me, that, that are dealing with trauma. And oftentimes our behavior is a reflection of that, and, and we need one another to be patient, to be gentle with us, to embrace that and, and, and say, listen, look, instead of, instead of beating you down, just be like, hey, man, listen, I don't know why you're acting the way you are. I know it's out of character for you. I just want to let you know I love you. And if there's anything you need, you let me know. I'm going to give you some space because you're acting out of pocket right now, and I can't handle it much longer. <laughs> but when you're ready, I just want you to know I'm here for you, and I got your back. All right, let's jump into number two, okay? Number two, realize I must, you must, we must continually work at being unified. You have to do the work. Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Bind yourselves together by living in peace with each other. What it's saying is that unity will only happen when you are intentional about your effort to understand other people, to embrace other people, to recognize the individual that is in front of you. That's why we can have people who are in shape spiritually, but they're out of shape physically, right? Because they're concentrating in areas of their life in one category, and they're not in another. And it doesn't make you a bad person, but my point is, well, I'll tell you, you know what, there's, there's, there's someone who can be a great friend, but maybe they're a horrible coworker, right? They can be a loving wife, but a miserable sibling. What you work at, you'll be great at. That's why some people who are like, man, I can't believe they could be this, but they can't be that. Well, there's the only reason why they can't is because they're not working at it. They don't find it to be a priority. They don't find it to be important. Because you can be anything you want to be. If I can be good at something, trust me when I tell you, you could be good at something. If you really wanted it, you could do it. But it requires a concentrated effort. We have to continually work at unity. You can't just walk around thinking to yourself, like, oh, I love everybody. Okay, but what do you do to ensure that that's actually taking place? Because the, the, the reality is, like, oftentimes, like, if we were to bump into one another out in public, like, you might look different than what you say. You ever get caught? <laughs> like, in line? You ever been the guy at the airport? Ranting and raving, you turn around like, oh, hey, I was just kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. I was having a bad day. That's my bad. You got to work at it. You got to function in it. You got to put yourself in a position to succeed at it. You got to go after it. You have to be intentional about being unified with people. Here's a few ways to, uh, uh, well, these, are, these are the don't do it. These are the don't do it. Don't do these things, right? If you want to be unified, then don't do these things. Don't bring worldly values into the church. And what I mean by that is don't bring worldly perspectives, endorsements, ideals into the church body. This ain't, this isn't the Grammys, like, right? Like, we're not, we're not acknowledging, like, celebrity here. Like, this, this, isn't a, this isn't a moment for us to look and sound and act like everything else you see around the world. Like, that's the whole point. Like, I, I, I don't, let me just say, I don't. I don't want you to know me as anything other than Lou. That's all I am. I love Pastor Troy a couple weeks ago. He was like, God gave me enough when he named me. That's me. I don't need my title. I just, I just, I'm just Lou. That's enough. Jesus gave me that name. I'm a famous warrior. 
like you putting pastor on the front of it or whatever you want to call me, don't, I mean, okay, I get it. We all need a title because you want one, you know, because we're human. That's the human construct. But, bro, I'm just me. That's all I want. That's powerful enough for me. I don't, I'm not interested in celebrity, right? Like, so it's not, I'm not saying I, I just, the worldly construct of the idea of there being leadership in a celebrity position, right? Like that you can't touch me, you can't see me, you can't be around me, I have to be over here. Like, okay, I mean, I get it, the protecting of the anointing. There's some times, that's why I don't come out here sometimes <laughs> before I preach. I just need to be away. Just got to protect it a little bit because I might run into some nonsense and I don't know how to, you know, sometimes you just got to, got to, got to just separate a little bit. But worldly concepts coming into the church are the quickest way we divide one another, bringing in ideas like that. Paul warns about it. He wrote in Corinthians, he said, you're acting the same way unbelievers act in the world. The proof of your immaturity is your arguing and quarreling and the divisions you've created that proves you still belong in the world and are living by worldly values. If you're arguing up in here, like, bro, I hate to break it to you, you're just immature, because there isn't anything of value in your argument that could be more important or more valuable than the eternity of Jesus Christ, of spending it with him. That's why it should be easy and be quick to forgive, the Bible says. Be quick to break down strife. Because it doesn't matter. He goes on to say, when one of you says, I support Paul, and another says, I support Apollos, you're acting like unbelievers. You're acting with worldly values. Not like Christ. Is Apollos important? No. Is Paul important? No. The teaching there is to create an identity for you to understand that there isn't anything else that matters. More importantly, and that's a far stretch, like more importantly than Jesus. So if there's a bickering, if there's a fighting, oh, we should look like that, we should look like this, let me tell you and explain to you, let me sit you down and explain why this is that way and give me all your theology and give me all your doctrine and break down the, like, look, time out, fine, we can have those discussions, but if at the center of that we're missing out on the idea of the perfection of Jesus, his ability to break down any argument, his ability to infiltrate and overcome any division then it's a waste of your time, and I certainly won't give it mine. I'm going to say this really gently, very, very gently. Like in a nice way, you don't matter. <laughs> and, and maybe more inclusively, we don't matter. Right? Like I, I say it that way just to help, you know, kind of break it down for you. We, we, we matter to Jesus, but what we think our opinions, our perspectives, our insights, I mean, do they not fall just a little bit short oftentimes? Like when I hear myself talk, I'm like, man, you should just not. You should just not. You should just not talk. <laughs> and, and, and just say the name of Jesus repeatedly for 30 minutes. It would be a great message. Your opinion, your research, your title, you know, it's Jesus that matters. It's him. It's, it's, it's his willingness. It was, it was God's willingness to send his son to die. Yes, amen. To raise again. To save us for all eternity. That matters. And at the core of our church, at the core of our brethren, that must remain the focus. Last thing we don't want to do is we don't want to get sucked into the world's fights. 
You hear me? I'm going to say it a few more times. We do not want to get involved in the world's fights. One more time. I'm going to go this way now. We do not, N-O-T, want to get involved on the camera in the world's fights. That is the quickest way to break down unity in the church. You coming in here, me coming in here trying to tell you what we should be doing out there, it is, that, is, that is pointless. Absolutely pointless. The only thing that we should ever be sharing with one another is how we can more so lift up the name of Jesus everywhere we go. That's the only fight that we belong in. Second Timothy says this, my kingdom is not of the, I'm sorry, that's John 18. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my servants would fight. And then in Second Timothy, it goes on to say this, do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. That's pretty straightforward. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Well, who says they're foolish and stupid? Are you talking about Jesus? Then they're foolish and stupid if they're not. If you're not talking about how to get somebody saved, how to get somebody to heaven, then what you're talking about is categorically because you know they produce quarrels. The Lord's servant must never quarrel. Instead, you must be kind. Underline that for yourself. You must be kind to everyone. You have to be able to teach. You can't teach if you're not kind. Nobody's listening to you. <laughs> That's, this is the way that goes. You, you, can't, you can't communicate abrasively and expect anybody to accept what you're saying. It's just never going to happen. Defense mechanisms kick in instantaneously. We are a sensitive being. I come at you in any type of way. My body language, the tone of my voice, the way I'm looking at you, I'm communicating with my eyes. I look at you the wrong way. What's going to happen? Right? You don't need much around these parts. Any really. really I don't need you to say much. But if, if I'm, I'm doing it right now, if I'm doing this, right, if my hip's kicked out, my hand's on it, my head's a little bit sideways, my forehead gets a little bit scrunched, do I really need to say much more? You're already not going to listen to anything I'm saying. We have to be kind. We have to be gentle. It goes on to say this, gently teaching those who oppose the truth. That's what it means is how you say it matters. How you deliver your message matters to people. Romans 14, 20 says, don't tear apart the work of God over a rule about food. <laughs> Standing alone, that scripture is like, sounds silly, right? What it's trying to tell us is like, you're, you're trying to tear apart, often we, we try to tear apart the work of God. The sending of his son to the earth to die for us so that we could have eternity because of something you should or shouldn't eat. Somewhere you should or shouldn't go. Like, some you should or shouldn't wear? How you should or shouldn't do your hair? I, I, I mean, oh, okay. I, I just, you know, like, look, man, there, I guess there's a time and a place, but, but, but I don't know where you come from. I don't know why you do, where you do your hair the way you do. Like, I don't know why you like to wear your makeup that way, and I don't really care. Do you know Jesus? Okay, then rock it. That's fine with me. I got a feeling if there's an issue with how you look, that he's going to deal with that the closer you get to him. I, and I don't want to deal with it because I got other things I need to deal with. I got my own stuff. Do I look, do I, 
Do I think you look weird? Probably. <laughs> Would I do it? No, uh-uh. But you probably think I look weird. I don't care. I'm just trying to do me. It's like a theater every day. Like if I could, and I'm getting older, so I can't as much, but I, I like to dress up. Like dress up, dress up. You know, like I just, I'd like to dress how I feel. I like to look how I feel. I listen to what I listen to because I'm feeling that type of way. I don't play the same music every day. It's a, it's a vibe. It's a mood. How do I feel today? I'm sad, so this is what I'm going to listen to. I'm happy, so this is what I'm going to listen to. I don't know how I'm feeling. I usually just like, I don't know, I play a random channel, see what happens. It's like my mix. They make it for me. Some creepy, weird algorithm of music they tell me to listen to. Anyways. All right, let's move on. Uh, yeah, so number three, we're, we're past what we don't do. Here's number three. We only got two more, <coughs> three and four. Uh, be realistic in your expectations. 11.45. Be realistic. Remember, we'll speed through this. Be realistic in, in your expectations. Be realistic. Slow down. Relax. Like coming in here trying to change the world, turn people over on top of their heads, like calm down. Relax. Just, I get it. You're excited. You just found Jesus or maybe you found him again or you've been here a long time or you're just like, we're going to do this. Like I like a good pump too, but you just got to chill. Calm down. Be patient. Be patient with one another. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Because you, you got them too. Like newsflash, there ain't a person in here who doesn't have a whole bunch of faults. Unless you happen to be sitting next to your wife right now, I want you to turn to her and let her know she is perfect. She is the only person here without any faults. And, and, then, and then we can move on. But, that, but that's the truth. You don't, you don't have a person in your life that doesn't have faults, so we must maintain a level of patience with one another, recognizing that, man, I got issues too, bro, so we can, we can, we can work this out together. I'm gonna expose a little bit of mine to you because I don't know you that well yet, but, I, but I'll show you mine if you show me yours, and then we can work on them together. How's that sound? That's how you wanna do it, so be realistic. Uh, the truth is, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be healthy. Isn't that good news? Like. You don't have to be a, per, a, 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 a vision of perfection in order to be healthy. My, I'll tell you another story about my boys. They're, they're wild. They're like in one constant state of wrestling at this point. Like it's just one long extended fight. Like, like, they, don't know how to, <laughs> like they don't know how to hug each other. Like it's, it's a scene out of Step Brothers. Like they're just, they just like, I, I'm like, hold his hand. He's like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm like, just hold his hand for one time. Like, just post me. They were so cute when they were little. They used to pose together. There's this picture of them. They would smile, like, hug each other, and they just won't do it anymore. Like, but they're just in a constant state of wrestling. They're so unconscious about how much they're ridiculous that the other day I'm in the kitchen, and it makes me laugh. And so I'm not encouraging it, but it also is funny at the same time. And, I, and so they're, they're, at the, they're at the kitchen, and uh, I made pancakes, and Louie's sitting down already eating, and they were fighting about something. I don't know what was going on. Uh, but uh, then, then I gave Ben his plate, and, and I had happened to be on the other side of the table. So I'm, I'm watching this full view, full view of Louie sitting down, and Ben tries to come around him. And as mid-bite, like this dude is so unconscious about what's going on, mid-bite, Ben's walking by, and Louie's like <laughs> sticking his leg out. Pancakes go flying. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop it. And when I yelled, he's like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm, he didn't even know what he did. He's just unconsciously irritating and going crazy. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievably ridiculous. Like, when you get into, uh, you know, the, the idea that you don't have to be perfect, but, that's, but, that's, but they're still healthy-ish. Like, they're healthy children. <laughs> there might be some issues there. But it's, you know, generally speaking, like, they're fine. 
And, and I just want to let you know, you don't have to be perfect to be healthy. Like you may have some weird things that you do that are just like, gosh, why do I still do that? I'm like 50. I can't believe I'm still struggling with that. It doesn't mean you're not healthy. It just means you're a human and you're dealing with it and you're living in a world that's corrupted and you're influenced by all kinds of crazy things and, and you're good. All right. You're fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You're okay. <laughs> Most of all, let love guide your life. And then the whole church will stay together in perfect harmony in Colossians 3.14. It's just let love, let love guide. Like, listen to some Bob Marley once in a while. Just relax. Easy. Tone it down. Like, just take a break. It's okay. Let love guide you. It'll be all right. Everything will be all right. Okay? Oh, man. Uh, but I love it. You know, there, there's a reality of this. You got you to gotta love, love people at every stage of their life. Like, I love my, my children at their toddler stage, and you all did too. They're so cute. Like, they're just mischievous, and it's still kind of fun. And then they get a little bit older. Like, I'm in the seven- and nine-year-old stage right now, and I can't tell if I want to leave uh, or if I want to stay. It, like, it messes with me all the time. Like, Rachel, they went to Florida last week. She's like, you come? I'm like, nope. Bye. I want nothing to do with that trip. Like, you guys go ahead. I'm coming down spring break. That's it. I don't want to go again. She's like, why? You would, you would not want to go to Florida for a long weekend in the middle of, of December? I'm like, no, absolutely not. You go. That would be great for you. I, I support it 100%. It's fantastic that I wasn't there. I was alone. Me and Emma. It was like the old days. Just me and Emma chilling. She did her thing. I did my thing. We came together for food, and then we parted ways, and it was fine. Everything was awesome. But you got to love people at every stage of their life, you know. You can't just, oh, then there's the teenager stage, which is, you still got to love them. You got to love them. You don't just throw them out because they're going through a phase. They're going through a life situation. They're going through an era of their life that just is tough. It's just a tough phase of life. Like, and I, you don't have to stop there. Like, it's funny, kids parts. But listen, like, when you're in your 20s and then when you're in your 30s and then when you're in your 40s and then your 50s and your 60s, like, there, there's issues all along the way, man. Like, I'm not picking on kids. Like, grumpy old people, y'all need to chill. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't be so grumpy. You know, like all you 40-year-olds, something like 35, think you know everything. You don't know nothing. Like, just 10 years ago, you couldn't even rent a car. It's, you got you to you love people where they're at. They're coming through life. They're making their way. And then suddenly you're passing away. And hopefully on all of our gravestones it says something like, thanks for being patient. Like, I was a mess for a long time. But, but what I do know is that I'm, I'm with Jesus now. And, and if it wasn't for someone like you, if it wasn't for the church, if it wasn't for the unity of the body that created in me an opportunity to embrace the loving mercy and, and grace of my father, I might not ever have got here. So thank you. That's powerful, right? Man. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Number four, last one. Offer encouragement. You guys want to come up and play? Let's do it. Uh, offer encouragement instead of criticism. Man, it's so important. We're going to speed through this. Uh, let, let, uh, let's use all of our energy in getting along with each other. Help each other by using encouraging words. Don't drag down others by finding fault in them. Like, that's easy. Like, if that's all you got is to find the fault, like, you're lame. That's easy. Anybody can find fault. Find a good, encouraging word about somebody, man. Like, make it your point. Remember we talked about it earlier. You got to work at it. You got to concentrate on it. Like, in the morning, like, forget looking at yourself in the mirror. Practice what you're going to say to the first person you see. Oh, you have beautiful hair. <laughs> God, you, you look so good. I love your goatee. <laughs> 
I love your go. Like, like just, you know, practice the things you're going to say to somebody the first time you see them. Like, what are you going to say to them that encourages them, right? Like, they're always late to work. You know, don't bust their chops again, okay? So if they come in like five minutes late compared to their normal 15 minutes late, like, oh, man, that's really good. Good job. Like, but you can't do it sarcastically because how you say it matters. It might come off as a bad thing. But be encouraging to one another. Let's move on. A wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. You're never going to persuade somebody. You can't be persuasive when you're abusive, right? Or you're abrasive. You can't do it. Uh, one more scripture here for you guys. I want to give it to you. It's, uh, it's in Galatians 5.13. You've been called to live in freedom. Uh, not freedom to indulge yourself in selfish nature, but freedom to serve each other in love. God's entire law is summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. And it's easy. We used to have it on the walls. Celebrate one another. Celebrating God. Like, that's it. That's all you got to do, man. Like, that's all you got to do. Back out. Back away from all the complicated situations you've got yourself into, all the books that you've read, all the, the series that you've watched, all the notes that you've taken. And just, just keep it simple, man. Just keep it simple this year. Moving forward, like if you just love people a little bit more, if you just accept people's faults a little bit more, if you take a little more time to hear their stories, you'll recognize that their behavior, man, they've gone through some stuff. They're traumatized. Like they're angry and frustrated. They're not angry and frustrated at you. They're angry and frustrated at the devil. And what they need is Jesus. And you need to introduce them to it. And, 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 and like here first, here in the building, here in the building, people sitting next to you right now, like if there's the vision in the room this morning, let's do this. Let's stand up. Come on, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Let's stand up. The last part of that scripture says, but you keep biting and devouring each other and tearing each other apart. You will be destroyed by one another. We call that cannibal Christianity. Eating one another to death. Life is tough, man. There's a burden for every single one of us that is, is difficult for me to say that I understand because I don't think that I do. I, you know, the truth is, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know what it's like to be you. I just, I know what it's like to be me. Um, that ain't easy. So I imagine just, you know, human to human, person to person, that, that your life isn't all that easy either. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it currently isn't. What I do know is that you're going to face more challenges as you go along the way. And, and what I can tell you is that if we're united here, if we're united in this place, then there isn't anything we can't overcome together. Because unity is power. Unity under the banner of Jesus Christ is power. We'll, we, will, we will change nations. There's heavy talk about revival across the world, across the nation right now. It starts, it starts with unity. Revival starts when people stop caring about all the stuff that doesn't matter. And they start focusing on Jesus. Like, you want revival, then stop talking about everything else. I mean, bro, like, I know it's tough. I know it's tough because there's some wild stuff going on, man. And we are in the world. We're not of it. I see it too. 
I have a hard time not liking it. I even have a, I have, I have a hard time not posting about it, right? Like, I want to let y'all know, too, how I feel, what I think. But it, it's divisive. It's abrasive. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter. It's not my fight. I'm not passive. I'm aggressive. I'm just aggressive for Jesus. I just want to become more aggressive for Jesus. I'm not putting my head in the sand. I see what's going on around me. I, I, I recognize what's taking place in the world. I am not asking or condoning or, or telling anybody that they shouldn't have a voice and speak out on what they see is wrong. Do it, fine, yes. Just, just do yourself a favor. Just ensure at the center of what you are saying, we just went through it. I'll give you my notes if you want it. At the center of what you're saying lies an undeniable love that breaks down the hatred of that pushes and perpetuates the love of Jesus in every direction. But the tone of your voice, the look on your face, the position of your neck, speaks to the gentleness, the kindness, the patience, the acceptance, the love of the Almighty. It was indeed his last prayer that his church would love one another the way that he loves you and loves me. That there would be unity amongst his brethren. That bickering and fighting and arguing would all be left aside and the focus of our hearts and minds would be on him. If you'll indulge me, if you feel comfortable, if you don't, you don't have to. Maybe you know the person next to you. But I thought it'd be kind of cool if we ended our service today and we, we interlocked our arms. And we show that as a sign here in this place at the address of 4125 Levitt Road, Lorraine, Ohio. This is the 44053 if you're confused. 44053. In this place, on this day, February 19th, 2023. Yeah, you can go across the aisle, that's cool. It's 2023, we're united for Jesus. And there is nothing that's gonna break us, nothing that's gonna take us, nothing that's gonna separate us from the love of Jesus. This morning, I, I, I'll end with this. Like, you need to know, and you don't need, you don't need me. I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll, I'll pray with you, but this is just the first step. This is just the first step. Like, your decision to live for Jesus today, to make him your king, to make him your way maker, your provider, your protector, is the greatest decision that you will ever make. And what I can tell you that I, I know in my heart, I know deep down in my bones, is that when you accept him as your savior, he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you.
that's, if that's a decision you want to make today, then just make it. I, in fact, I won't give you my words. Just make it. You don't, you don't need me. Okay? You don't need me. Make your decision for Jesus on your own. Right now, right here, online, wherever you're at, make your decision for Jesus on your own. You don't need my words. I don't need to lead you. The power of God is so undeniable. It's so real. I pray you know it today. I pray you leave with it. I pray you take it with you everywhere that you go. That your households are blessed. That your hearts are touched. Your minds are made new today. That your spirits are refreshed. That there is an uplifting of your soul that makes you feel as though you're floating. The presence of God in your life be so rich, be so thick, that you shine, <laughs> that you shine like the sun, that your radiance exudes the presence of God. Be blessed this morning. Live right, love everybody, and pray hard. Amen.